May the words of my mouth, O God, the meditations of our hearts, the decisions of our minds be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. So the title for today is what you see in front of you. The harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. What's your excuse? This is suggested by the fact that Moses and Aaron are being recruited by the Holy One of Israel for quite a formidable task. An 83-year-old man and an 80-year-old man and their sister, who is older than both of them, are being sent as leaders to lead an entire nation out of slavery to the mightiest kingdom on earth. This is uh, quite challenging. I want to begin with this question. What does God want? Here we see Yeshua with a Samaritan woman at the well. And among the other things he speaks with her about is what God wants. We very seldom think about what God wants. We think about what we want. We think about what we want God to do for us. But what does God want? Yeshua tells this woman, a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. What does God want? He wants worshipers. He wants people who adore him for who he is. By the way, don't kid yourself. All of us also want people to adore us for who we are. We're made in the image of God. God, infinitely beyond everything else, singly or combined, is entitled to be adored for who he is. And the Father is seeking people who will adore him for who he is and what he has done. So the question comes to me, it comes to all of us, since the Father is seeking worshipers, what's our excuse of not being engaged, or perhaps I should say sufficiently and consistently engaged in multiplying worshipers of God? Yeshua tells his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. He says right there in John 4 with uh, the uh, Samaritan woman there, he says, you know, don't you say yet three more months and the harvest comes? He says, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see the fields are already white for harvest. So don't say that's for another time, another place. He says, no, 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 no. Right now, the harvest is plentiful. 
but the laborers are few. Therefore, he says, ask the Lord of the harvest field to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, when he said that, he was saying that to people who were already in the harvest field. So it's not, why don't you ask God to send other people instead of you? He's telling them, you're already going. But there are so few. Ask the Lord to send more. So the Father is seeking worshipers. He's recruited us as the ones who recruit them. What's our excuse? Moses offers five excuses at the beginning of Exodus. We're reminded of his fifth excuse in today's reading, which therefore justifies my going back and looking at the other four excuses he offers in chapter three, uh, uh, in chapter four, five, uh, in the prior chapters. His first excuse, he says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? That's his first excuse of the burning bush. It's the excuse of inadequate status. Some of you have been brought up to feel like you're a nobody. Some of you have experienced failures, either professional, marital, or moral in your life, and you feel like a nobody. This doesn't disqualify you. Moses was the ultimate nobody. He was a, a political fugitive. He has spent the last 40 years tending sheep. They're not even his sheep. They're his father-in-law's sheep. He's in the middle of nowhere, tending his father-in-law's sheep, which in that culture was the work of idiots and senile old men and children, young children. You remember when Samuel comes to anoint an, another king of Israel after Saul has really blown it. Samuel is sent to the home of Jesse. And, uh, and so he asked to see Jesse's sons because one of them is going to be the new anointed king. And six of the sons come before him and he says, no, the Lord says that's not the one. So he says, do you have any other children? They say, oh yeah, Junior. He's out there with the sheep. David, he's the youngest. He's the one who his brothers don't really respect. He's the one that God chooses. So God has a penchant. He has a, a preference. He has a habit of choosing nobodies. But Moses tries to use that as an excuse. He says, look, Holy One of Israel, look, source of all being, look, the one who says, I am that I am. You may not have caught this, but I'm a nobody. God said, God ignores that. He's going to ignore that from you too. If you feel like you have an adequate status, this doesn't exempt you. The second excuse he offers is the excuse, I don't know enough. Oh, I've heard this excuse a lot. 
people who never share their, their Yeshua faith uh, uh, usually shrug their shoulders and give a kind of a weak smile and say, well, I don't really know much. I just, I ask him to meet the rabbi. This will not do. It's not an exemption. Moses says, suppose I go to them, the Israelites, and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I tell them? I don't even know your name, he says. You remember that Moses' indoctrination in the ways of Israel ended when he was about four, maybe five years old, when he was weaned by his mother. So he says, you know, I don't even know what I'm talking about. Now, if that's you, if you feel kind of disqualified by a low level of knowledge, get over it. You know more than Moses did. And Moses delivered a nation. So the excuse of inadequate knowledge is not an excuse with which God is impressed. Neither should you be. I'm certainly not impressed. I'm a person who knows too much. Oops, let's go back here a little bit. His third excuse, inadequate credibility. First, low status. The second one was inadequate knowledge. The third excuse, inadequate credibility. Moses answers, what if they do not believe me or listen to me? And they say, ah, the Lord did not appear to you. I don't have credibility with these people. They won't believe me. You got to remember, he hasn't been around for 40 years. And when he left, he was an Egyptian. Yeah, he had a Jewish mother, but he was... Egyptian in every way. He lived in Pharaoh's palace. And by the way, he left town because he was guilty of murdering a, an Egyptian. This is a person with low status, very low status with the people to whom he's going. Very low credibility. They won't believe me. If you feel that you don't have credibility, you got to get over that. I'm going to show you why before we part today. But the first reason why is that God did not accept this from Moses. He's not going to accept it from you either. So don't you. Number four, the fourth excuse, inadequate skills. Moses says to God, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Our tradition says that Moses stammered, that he had a speech defect. There's even a, a midrash that says that he was put to a test when he was a little boy to see if he would reach out for a pot of gold or a pot of hot coals. Pharaoh wanted to see, allegedly, if Moses was after Pharaoh's kingdom and his money. And he was about to reach out for the shiny gold but an angel grabbed his hand and he reached into the hot pot of coals instead. And then he put, it started to burn him and he put it in his mouth and that allegedly gave him a speech defect. Well, we don't know that's true. We do know that Moses is saying, I've never been eloquent in the past. I haven't been eloquent since you've been talking to me. 
I'll never be eloquent. I'm slow of speech and tongue. Some of you, you feel that your verbal skills are deficient. Get over it. You'll see by the end of this lesson why that's just not, it's not an excuse. It wasn't an excuse for Moses either. Number five, the fifth excuse, Moses is determined not to go. By the fifth excuse, he gets God a little annoyed. God has been very, very patient until this point. At this point, Moses says, do me a favor. Pardon your servant, Lord. Send somebody else. <laughs> Man, that's powerful. That's such a picture of Moses. Send somebody else. Moses is so, so deformed by his life experience, by his failures, by the fact that he's had 40 years to think of how he's blown it. That when God himself calls him, he gives excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse, and finally says, just send somebody else. God is not satisfied. He gets a little miffed with Moses. And he says, hey, doesn't your brother know how to speak? I'll tell you what, your brother is coming out to meet you. You talk to you, I'll talk to you. You talk to your brother and your brother will talk to Pharaoh. And I, I sense that God is either continuing to be very patient, which he may be, or he may be saying, enough excuses. You want to waddle in your poor self-image? Enjoy yourself. But I'm still sending you. And I'm going to send your big brother with you uh, to do the talk to Pharaoh, which is a little bit humiliating. So let's go on. Let's talk about you and me, our sense of inadequacy. And look at Paul, how he found an answer to this issue. Paul says of himself, and we've been studying this in 2 Corinthians, for what we are proclaiming is not ourselves. I don't care how inadequate you feel. It's not about you. It's not about me. What we are proclaiming is not ourselves, but the Messiah Yeshua as Lord with ourselves as slaves or servants of you because of Messiah. So when you touch people's lives, God is not asking you to go there and impress them with yourself. He's asking them to somehow, you to somehow bridge them to some kind of, some kind of encounter with Yeshua. It may only be the encounter of your praying for their stiff shoulder in Yeshua's name. It may only be the encounter of, of when they complain about the people at the riot in, in, um, in Washington, in the Capitol building. And they say, all oh, these crazy Christians, look what they did. It may only be for your saying, look, if you know anything about Jesus of Nazareth like I do, you'd realize these people were not 
following Jesus when they did that. Even that is a step in the right direction. You're not there to proclaim yourself. You're there to be a bridge to people becoming worshipers of God in Yeshua's name. What we are proclaiming is not ourselves, but the Messiah, Yeshua as Lord, with ourselves as slaves of you because of Messiah. In other words, you can bridge people to Yeshua by being kind to them, by being helpful to them. If you don't think you can do that, then don't talk to me about it. Anybody can be kind. Paul's adequacy and our own. He says, we have this treasure, this treasure of the spirit of God, the knowledge of God, the relationship with God, the link to the Father, the transformational encounter with the Father in the face of Yeshua, the Messiah. We have this treasure in clay jars. That is, the clay jars are the fragility and the vulnerability of our humanity. We have this treasure in our midst of our own vulnerability and fragility so that it will be evident that such overwhelming power comes from God and not from us. It's okay if you're inadequate. It's better if you're inadequate. Because if I'm inadequate and you're inadequate, then when adequacy shows up, people are going to know it's not you and it's not me. It's him. But on the other hand, we do get some help from God. We get by with a lot of help from our friend. Paul says, it's not that we are competent in ourselves to count uh, anything as having come from us. We are not competent in ourselves. If you feel inadequate, Paul felt inadequate too. Moses felt inadequate. And the fact is you're all right. But we're not confident in ourselves as having anything to count anything as coming from us. On the contrary, our competence is from God. He has made us competent to be workers serving in the new covenant. God has made you and me competent to be a bridge in his Holy Spirit to enhancing, even by a millimeter, enhancing people's proximity to Yeshua the Messiah. And the essence of all of this is not a written text, but it's the Spirit. So, what does God want? A time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. What does God want? Isaiah put it this way when he had a massive encounter with God in the temple. Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Here am I, I said. Send me. So the choice is, we can be like, like Moses saying, do me a favor, send somebody else. Which is not going to be an answer that pleases God, and it's going to impoverish your life. Or we can have the answer that Isaiah gave. 
Hineni, here am I. Send me. Father, we don't have to go out and be impressive evangelistic wunderkinds. We don't have to go out and give people the four spiritual laws uh, uh, in one fell swoop. We don't have to go out and argue people into the faith. We need to touch their lives in your spirit, in Yeshua's name. We need to be bridges to them of some, some turning, some touching of the kingdom of God. Help us, oh God, through what we've heard today, to stop offering excuses. Hineni, God, here am I. Send me. Shabbat Shalom.